Going, we're on, we're, we're live. <laughs> so, um, this is the second episode of uh, the Don't Give Up Your Day Job podcast, and today we're going to be talking to um, Dan Antonovich. Dan Antonovich, and he is uh, a legendary um, bass player from New Zealand, uh, Auckland, used to be Auckland based, but now lives in LA. That's right. Um, so, we're going to talk to him about what, Danny? Well, I guess about his journey from Auckland to LA is a, is a big part of it. Yep. Um, and his his career, I mean, I've known Dan for many years and um, played with him in lots of different shows and gigs and things. Um, he's always been, you know, a, a standout musician. And it, it was always obvious to me that he was going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's quite interesting to to talk to him about how he's done that, his his mental his mentality on it, his, his approach, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we talked about having um, Dan as a guest, because of your sort of um, future, uh, your sorry, your um, past with him, your knowledge of of a little bit of what where he's been and what he's done. I think you mentioned something about um, there was a bit of tall poppy syndrome stuff happening. So I'd like to sort of mention that to him and bring that up a little bit if he's happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and whether that exists in that scene over there. Yeah, I know there's been a, a, a there was a process from him conceiving the idea of of leaving, as some people saw it. Um, and then it, it took a few years for him to be to be able to actually do that, you know, mm-hmm. from first starting to travel for gigs, um, spending more time in different places, making connections, a few things happened. Um, eventually he he um, made the big decision to, to apply for a permit and he went through hell trying to get it. Right. Um, and I was there, you know, kind of as a supportive friend as he was losing his mind right through this process so it's an extraordinary story in, in many ways okay mm. great and um this with this podcast we've had our uh, our first sponsor come on board so we have been given a bit of ad copy to read and i'm going to try my best to read it um the people who are sponsoring us today are a photography company bright lights photography so this episode of don't give up your day job is sponsored by bright lights photography are you a photography... What's this? Are you what? Oh, are you after photography for your wedding or event or family... I assume that means family portrait, family portrait of some sort? Yes, sir. Um, Bright Lights <laughs> is your best choice for affordable, professional and beautiful photo- photographs. Whether you're looking for a documentary style to capture your day or a more structured photo shoot, Bright Lights has the flexibility to cover a wide range of photography requirements. Wedding packages can cover anything from the proposal and engagement to the full wedding day. Ask about their trash the dress shoot and winter specials. Um, trash, trash the dress is that where the uh, they go and pull the wedding dress apart or something? They have a photo. Yeah, I'd like to also um, add that I offer a trash the dress service as well, um, and I <laughs> don't charge as much. And you don't take photos of it, or do you? Is it <laughs> no, no, no. Doing? I don't need feel the need to take photos of it, um, and I'll also do it when the bride's still wearing it too. <laughs> <laughs> and you charge for that? Oh no, well not necessarily. <laughs> uh, have you got a corporate event coming up Bright Lights offers a seamless event capture package designed to represent your event as it happens and can include group shots backdrops headshots and more or maybe you're after a perfect Mother's Day gift check out their family portrait sessions okay so they do they do do family portraits um, sessions take place in the comfort of your own home or at the location of your choice or for the more adventurous they even offer day in the life sessions 
That sounds exciting. Maybe yeah. we should get them in to do a to um, do a podcast a session. Yeah. Yeah. Mention don't give up your day job and receive ten percent off. This offer is available for a limited time. Bright Lights Photography, your story in pictures. Check them out at brightlightsphotography.co.nz. Yeah, and and I, what I like about their photos is that they're they're a bit grittier. They're a little bit more interesting, more original, which I think is refreshing on some of. Uh, so they don't uh, just whack a filter on it and. Yeah, some of that kind of corny. Right. You know, that um, everyone looks like they're from a different planet or something. Nice. Okay, yeah. bright lights photography. Yeah. There you go. So, to our conversation with um, Dan Antanovich, he's played with um, a lot of people. He's actually worked with Elvis Presley's band. He played in, the, I believe, one of the most successful stage shows um, in New Zealand history, which was Jersey Boys. Which I saw. I saw that show. Oh, did uh, you? It was amazing. Yeah. 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 I didn't see it, unfortunately. But yeah. um, he um, tours the world with a Japanese New Age artist by the name of Kitaro. Um, one of the albums that they put out was nominated for a Grammy. Um, he's worked. He's worked with a lot of people in New Zealand. I, I believe he was in AutoZam um, at some point. And one of the guys that he tours with is Stephen Small, who we we both know, who's an amazing musician as well. We got him coming up on a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worked with me, which, have, which another is, amazing musician, which is probably his biggest highlight. I'd say. Oh, oh I think so. Yeah. I, I, I get that impression from him. <laughs> and now he's in LA working with. Um, I spent some time with him in LA a couple of months ago, and it's crazy over there. Everyone you meet has worked with everyone, so um, it's not even worth mentioning who they've worked with half the time. Well, um, hopefully he uh, can drop a few. Well, names he can elaborate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's excellent. So, to the episode. Enjoy. Now let's do this. Don't give up your day job. Awesome. So you've you've had uh, one of your best weeks in LA recently. You said, "Oh uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good one, man. One of those sort of, I mean, dream situation. Really, we got to play with a bunch of players that have um, always kind of hoped I'd work with. You know, the caliber of those sorts of players, and um, and in the there were one session in particular that was really great, but." Um, we were down in Sunset Sound, which is a, a legendary studio in Hollywood. You know, that Zeppelin's recorded there. Mm, mm. Um, Beach Boys did a bunch of stuff. I mean, if you look at the credit list on that place, it's just, it's a little crazy. Um, yeah, and I had, as is typical in this industry, sort of a very last minute call. It's also a very Hollywood thing to have a, everything's like due, you know, now sort of thing but <laughs> i had a, it was maybe like two days before the session a good friend of mine um gave me a call he said oh you're free on wednesday for a session which for, always for me is like yeah man i'm always excited for any session mm. and he goes oh it's a sunset sound and i'm oh okay that sounds pretty awesome nice. um and then he started rattling off some of the people that were gonna be with us on the session you know kenny aronoff oh um, no shit you know monster we all know kenny yeah um randy waldman who's a, a piano player arranger sort of you know he's a, most of the synth stuff you've heard on michael jackson is him he's been barbara streisand's md for you know a, a very long time wow. um and then uh tara kakoni who's a great guitar player josh groban's musical director amongst you start to realize everyone over here has played with everybody mm. <laughs> Um, and then Michael Herring or Fish, um, who Danny, you actually met when you were over here. Mm-hmm. Um, is, he the, so, is he the guy that hooked you up with this one? He, yeah, yeah, yep. he's, the, he's the one that gave me a call. So it was, 
yeah, that was sort of that ended off a week of just out of the blue stuff that was <laughs> right. You know, I was expecting a quiet couple of weeks, and all of a sudden it just got really crazy. So it was. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So you, yeah. you kind of have to be um, able to move at a moment's notice, it sounds like, over there in terms of uh, sessions oh, coming up. Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've had a lot of calls. Sometimes you get a call at 11 p.m. because, and it could be a variety of things. I've had, you know, someone needs for a commercial or a, something for film or television. Right. They want something and like the deadline's 10 a.m. So you, you get to the studio at midnight, you're there till six or seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of those. And same with, I, yeah, I don't know whether us musos are just lazy and leave stuff to the last minute or not. But, <laughs> um, then it seems to, it seems to happen. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more stuff that comes up very late notice. Than, Who's ringing to book you? Is it an agent or is it the mu- the person running the session, the producer? Or well, I mean, it depends. I, I don't work with a, an agent or a manager or anything. Right. Um, it, that's sort of. I, I mean, it happens, but I think for sort of session musicians, that's not as common. Right. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's normally yeah, it's normally a producer or a studio. Um, yeah. Sometimes a musician or a writer themselves. It's just. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a real mixture, but sort of testament to the whole who you know thing. In, and you've got music. a you show up with your A game right from the get go, don't you? There's no no time to oh, fuck, yeah, fuck around. <laughs> yeah, that's something I no, love. I love about LA is that everyone's always dressed up in their best. Like in the, yeah, well, in, in the middle of summer, they're wearing leather jackets and hats and things. It's like absolutely. how are you not dying? You know, but they're no, they're I've, ready. They're on their best. You know, looking their best in case they meet the right guy. Uh, yeah, man. And yeah. I've struggled with that because I'm definitely a shorts and jandals kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it takes a lot for me to get dressed up. But no, I mean, that's like we were just talking about. That is a big part of it, I think, is that, yes, you're, you always want to be in your A game and you definitely want to be ready to go because you just you don't know. I mean, LA really is a town that you could get a call for something tomorrow that might just change your life. You might go on a, on a world tour for six months. You might be playing on a great album. There could be a TV show. There could be, there's just so much opportunity. So yeah, the, the level of professionalism here is, is very, very high. That's sort of what, amongst those people who are working. Yeah. That's something I wanted to ask you actually, is that, you know, the, in terms of the difference between uh, the New Zealand music scene, or you were sort of ensconced in the Auckland scene, if you like, and mm. and the LA scene, do you um, what, what made you go? Hey, LA is the place for me. With all of that talent that's already there, that's a huge risk to take. And well, yeah, it, it's a huge risk, all right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think from from when I was really young. I mean, it's always maybe it's changing a little bit now with Trump. Etc. But you know, <laughs> America was, and I mean, I think still is kind of the idyllic lifestyle kind of place, especially for music. You know, I mean, that's we've of in New Zealand. We of course had great New Zealand music and bands and things that we listened to, but we all we were all listening to the the good American stuff, you mm. know, and everyone mm. everyone loves it. So I mean, I I always had a you know there was some kind of pull to me. Like I, I when I was very young, did the Disneyland thing with the the family and always liked LA. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily completely set on moving to LA. I knew I, I wanted to sort of spread out. I, I spent a lot of time traveling, um, you know, and everywhere that I'd go, I'd kind of go, Oh, I could live here. I, yeah, I could live there. Oh, Taiwan's amazing. I could live. <laughs> mm. Mm. But 
Um, I mean, it was probably for me, it was when I started working with a guy called Kitaro, who's a um, new age, yep. successful keyboard, you know, synth player. Um, we, we started touring a lot with him and he's based out of the States. So that came at a time where sort of with, there were some personal circumstances as well that were taking me to LA. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll yeah. get to that. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I mean, I knew people there and it just, it, it got to a point where I'd been sort of casually thinking about it um, and then sort of just all the ducks kind of lined up and it was more like I'd just be stupid not to go right. than anything else, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a big jump, but um, so far it's it feels like a good one. So how how is it, um, how long has it taken to to really feel like you're on your feet? I mean, you've been there for what? Two two years now, or or no, a year, well, I'm a year, permanent, permanently, permanently yeah. a year, yeah. Because um, I was I was when we were doing a lot of touring, I was sort of coming here in between the legs that would be on the road, mm. um, and the, so I mean I've been spending a, a lot of time here for three years, um, but but permanently moved here um, a year. I mean, I mean I think what's I, what we want to focus on this on this podcast is is the reality not the pr spin yeah you know what i mean so no like, no of course Wait. so I, the highs and the lows and i know you've had exactly you've had amazing moments and it's also been difficult so can you yeah talk about and, and, and that's what i was going to say yeah. to that question is that i mean i don't know <laughs> i mean there are times where you feel like you're on your feet and then there are times where you definitely feel like you're not right you know mm. um it i sort of when i when i first got here there was kind of a hiss and a roar and it was it was really good for the first few months mm. Um, and then, then I, you know, I had a, had a quiet patch. There were certain things we were supposed to be out on the road and a few things kind of fell over that didn't end up happening. So I, I was sort of stuck there for a while, but I mean, you know, I, I feel like I maybe I'm on one foot now. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm definitely the sort of person I set my sights pretty high. So I, you know, I'll, I'll only be happy when every day I'm, I'm, flat tack and not sleeping and all that stuff that's when i'm at my happiest mm. um but you know it's such as the life of doing this as a job you know it's there are ups and downs no matter who you are or what you do so um, as easily no, it's it's starting to it's starting to to get much more consistent and much much better you know as easily as a gig can come along they can sort of fall out from underneath you is that what you're saying in oh, yeah. some regard right yeah, that I mean that. That's a fickle beast. What are they? I mean, that happens more than we'd probably like to admit. You know, yeah. at all stages of a musician's career, you you'll have things promised to you, mm. or someone's got a great opportunity, and you know, yeah. I think without getting cynical, you learn very quickly just to kind of wait and see. You but oh yeah, with a grain of cool. salt, eh? Hey? Yeah, it's yeah. A, we used to have a saying. Well, I used to have a saying. Friends of mine, musicians. I'll wait until I get the plane ticket in my hand. Thanks before I get excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, I heard someone once say they'll wait till they break for lunch on the first day before they'll accept yeah. doing it. <laughs> right, admit they're doing yeah. it. Okay. No, that that plane ticket one. Though, I definitely agree with that because I mean, sometimes even signing a contract doesn't mean all that much these days. You know, <laughs> people are good at, at getting out of that stuff if they've got good well, money and lawyers behind them. Yeah, well, America is a very sort of litigious society. There must be, I, I would have thought they'd be a really adverse or risk averse to that kind of, you know, ditching on contracts and so forth. Do you find a lot of that happens? No, no. I mean, personally, not a lot. No. Not a lot here. Um, you know, no, no terrible direct sort of experiences with that. But 
Right. You know, that's... But, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's happened to me in New Zealand. People seem to get away with it a lot easier than... Like you say, it's, <laughs> it's a lot more difficult here. Yeah. And so you're... A, I guess you're a contractor in a way. When you get asked to play for an artist like Kataro, are you signing a contract for a specific period of time or just a one-off job one weekly monthly well i mean with that that situation is um no i'm I'm still a contractor i'm still self-employed they just hire me on a on a case-by-case you know when the gigs come up we do it like right. on a, like we, on a I, handshake or or paperwork yeah or? more 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 on a handshake yeah. we're not we're not on any um like retainer or anything like that mm. with them um but but i think We've always had a good relationship um, with Kataro and, and the, the management and company around them. That you know, we've we've never had too much stress about that. They're always very upfront, and yeah, you know, where I, we don't feel like they're ever going to walk over us or leave us behind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although that's always a risk, though, isn't it? And it's always yeah. a risk. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know. So, I mean, how do you, um, you know, so mentally survive? Or, or or get a thick skin through all of this, through all the all the areas of the industry and the the fickle nature and the empty promises and the things that fall through and all of that. How do you keep yourself from going mad? Or, or do you just sometimes. go mad? <laughs> you did some. I mean, sometimes you definitely go a little mad. Or you go up to Bergen's. Well, Bergen's, yeah, the the greatest pub in LA. Well, in my opinion, luckily is only about yeah. five minute walk from here. So no, that that helps to keep you sane. I was trying to remember if you said that that was the greatest Irish pub in LA or in the world. I couldn't remember how far you took it. Well, I mean, I've <laughs> got to be, I've got to be careful there. I I think it's the best in the world. It's definitely the best I've been to, and I've definitely been to a few. I, I, so. I, have to, I don't know if I've had a better Irish coffee. Irish place. coffee, really? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's definitely something to behold. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what? So what do you? do do you think um, i mean what do you i don't know man it's you know i don't know i don't even know if there's a huge conscious sort of effort to try and do anything with it i mean i personally i've, I've there's definitely been struggles there have been times where um you know things will be thin on the ground or it might be a little stressful but i mean i don't know maybe i'm just a little too focused on sort of end game that I never really I never I mean choosing to be a musician obviously is is a pretty big thing anyway and outside pressures are telling you that that's not a good idea and you'll never make money and all this sort of stuff yeah. but see I'm starting to wonder if you're a little bit like a woman forgetting her um giving birth you know forgiving <laughs> giving birth pains because I remember uh, particularly in the lead up to waiting for your permit to come through you're pretty stressed and we'll, oh yeah, no. I was, yeah, I've seen you in some pretty stressed positions, and and for a good reason too. Yeah, um, it's not. An oh no, that but. man, that was, and that was tough. Anyone who's gone through the the U.S. immigration mm. process knows just how difficult <laughs> it is. That I, I won't say much more than that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that was stressful. But again, like I don't know, I've I've never really thought about a plan B, you know, maybe foolishly, but, um, this, this is what I want to do, man, kind of at all costs. So yes, it'll, it stresses me out like crazy, but yeah. Um, you know, that, that's a good example of, of getting the visa and stuff was that the, one of the most traumatic experiences of my <laughs> life because it just dragged on and on yeah. and cost a lot of money and it looked like it almost wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, and then, and then it happened. And of course it was like, uh, oh, 
okay. So it was, I think, within a week, I was in a plane and I was in LA. I was yeah. like, cool. Yeah, and you're right. It kind of you, all that other stuff gets forgotten. So I think maybe, maybe that's part of what it is. Is you know, when we are on stage, if we're doing big shows or we're in the studio, we're doing the stuff we love. Like it's enough to kind of block out all of the other stuff the negatives that have happened you know right well there's an idea that i'm formulating which i relate to myself as well that um a lot of people are quite comfortable talking about their ambition and goals in music but they don't necessarily spend a lot of time talking about the price that they have to pay for it and Mm -hmm. and i've always personally it's like a given i'm quite prepared to to do all the hard work because that's how much i want it and i get that feeling from you too um, yeah. where, I, where I think a lot of people they they want the 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 amazing bits, but they don't want to necessarily get in the van and drive overnight or whatever they have to do to to make yeah. that happen. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I mean that's I think you know what do they call it? Paying your dues. Yeah. Mm. That's you know, that's kind of the most fun part. I mean, and it's sort of uh, without much effort, really, isn't it? Because it's because you're just well, no, focusing on where you're going. Well, exactly. If yeah. that's if that's what if you were a kid and you're like, one day I want to be a musician and I want to be touring the world and playing big stages and doing all this stuff, mm. the idea of having to be in a van and drive around, not making much money and doing all that stuff, surely is really exciting because that's well, I'm on I'm on the way. Got a purpose. That, it's like an you've got a purpose. Cool. Yeah. You know, mm. I personally it's, actually look forward to the van ride. I mean, it's, oh yeah, some of the funniest shit happens until you're about three days in. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck, I hate these <laughs> well, people. Yeah, Get totally. them away from me. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> but that no, that paying your dues part obviously is a is a huge part of any kind of musician's path, and this and that path is sometimes really murky. You don't know where it's heading. You can't sort of see around the blind corners. Uh, it's it's almost like yes, there is a calling, there's a destiny. Then you talked about an end plan as well. But mm. how much of a plan do, did you have from the very beginning? All you knew is you wanted to play music. But well, I'm not. Uh... Not really a lot of a plan. I mean, um, you know, I mean, New Zealand is a difficult place to have a plan as a musician because, mm. you know, it's not an easy place to be a, a musician. Are you um, referring to tall poppy, that kind of thing? or, you, or would you? Oh, any... the, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot of aspects. Just, just the size of the industry is only going to be able to accommodate so much. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's... Having lofty goals is, you know, it's it takes a certain type of person to to really want to go for it in New Zealand because the outlet isn't necessarily going to be as rewarding as as bigger countries, bigger markets. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, but then you go for as a well, I mean, relatively big fish in a small pond here in terms of you know being the go to guy at session bass player muso guy here to a place that is full of mm. musicians and, and talented very hugely talented people it's um yeah as i said it must have been a huge risk but the, the rewards are, are all the better for it but working hard at, at look you know seeing where that's going to take you putting in those hours on the ground is really difficult for any musician to want to take on mm. um you know, I don't know where I was going with that sort of lost train of thought. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that Just like you were talking about with getting in a van and kind of the grassroots thing, I think that was the most refreshing thing for me coming here was sort of coming in at the ground level and basically starting yeah. again because it, it took me back to that. You know, I definitely found 
um, sort of my my drive or a, a certain amount maybe of passion that I'd lost um, towards the end of my time in New Zealand. Um, th- th- again, that's exciting because now all of a sudden you're you're in a new place and the possibilities are really great. Right. So that's 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 inspiring. You know, you know that. Even if you don't hit it, there's something to to really aspire to that kind of, you know, is is feasible. You know, it's it's difficult. It's like there are there. I would hate to think how many millions of actors in LA who have come here to make it. You know, that will that will be waiters and bartenders or or whatever it might be. Um, There was an interview. Sorry to interrupt. There was an interview this week on New Zealand television. Uh, some actor that's come over from America, and one of the the things that I picked up on that he said was the um, all of the the members of SAG, the Screen Actors yep. Guild, ninety five percent of them make under five thousand dollars US a year. Yeah, and there's only a small, very tiny amount. Of course, there are millions, as you say, of actors, but a very tiny amount make over that kind of what it takes to to make a living in 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 LA or in America, and that's a pretty sobering kind of thought. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's um. I mean, it's it's a big, it, it's a big machine over here. I mean, everything, any side of entertainment, um, in America in general, but particularly Hollywood, mm. is yeah. It's it's a hard thing to explain unless I mean a lot of people don't actually like LA. People will come here for a holiday and um you know, see certain things and kind of get an impression that it is a really fake place or that it's, mm. you know, there, there is a weirdness about it. But, yeah, I mean, there, there once you get past that, there's also... Beca- well, I, I, I've, I've yet to notice that, but I, I'm wandering yeah, well, I mean, around. I mean, I, maybe, I, maybe it's because I'm weird, but I just felt like everything made sense over there. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm only saying that because that's what everyone else is. Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm like, where are the weird people? Everyone's great. I, I kind of love it, but no, I mean, it's <laughs> the, what you're saying about, you know, that statistic with SAG and everything kind of also leads to an extreme amount of creativity with the people who are, are trying to get somewhere. Right. Um, and in any of these type of entertainment industries, you know, so it's, um, it's definitely a place where people try to be unique. You no, know, like you might get some people who are trying to make it by sounding like someone else or following a model. Or something, but generally most people are, are trying to create musically, like create a new sound, or you know, someone's writing a TV show. They're trying to do something that hasn't been done before. So I think maybe part of that desperation is you know the people who are really into doing it are, are, are creating great art. So I mean, you can see incredible gigs here with people that you know might not really make much money, but the, it could well be one of the best gigs you'd ever see in your life. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the lifestyle side of it as well, which has got to be um, an appealing part of it, right? And, and an important part of your ambition is mm. is being immersed in that culture. I mean, even just being there is cool. Yeah. Well, it's. I think the biggest thing that's really helped me as a musician um, since I moved here is I, like once a week, every, every single Friday, there's the Musicians Union here in Hollywood. Um, and I had a call you know mid last year from a guy who had never met just saying oh we've, we've got a rehearsal for this thing and do you want to come along and i was yeah man sort of interested, not knowing that it's just a rehearsal band isn't that they never no plans to gig or anything like right. that so that that took a while for me to kind of get my head around um but 
once I did, you know, the idea of just getting together to play for no stress, no pressure, no money, um, that's kind of been amazing. I mean, it's been a very musical type of thing. It's like a fusion-y jazz sort of unit of incredible musicians. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of... That has been one of the most rewarding things of being here. That That goes past you know making it big or getting rich or anything like that just create creatively um very fulfilling because that's that's something that i've never really done before you know right. in new zealand so many great musicians and and anywhere in new zealand but obviously my experience is mostly auckland um but we, you know we'd always talk about oh we should get together and jam and just oh wouldn't it be great to do this and do that and man i don't think it happened once <laughs> right. in my entire time yeah. ever and right. that's what i mean about the culture there like being part of that is that you, you there really is a community of yeah of creative people who seem to be constantly working they're, you know, constantly they're, they're constantly yeah. doing stuff creating stuff even if they're not even sure why no that's it i mean they're just they just got to do it you right know? <laughs> right they're just just it's better to be playing than not playing mm. you know right. that's yeah. Um, so let, so let, let's um let's go back to you know the fact that at some point in the past you weren't a guy that that traveled the world and and did these big sessions and all of that you were just one more kid in what west auckland is that where you grew up yeah i was i was born and raised west auckland and my schooling was all over on the the north shore right um so but when do you when you look back what are the significant moments that you think were the stepping stones to where you are now. I mean, I'm, I've known you for a good few years now, and mm. the biggest, big step that I noticed personally was Jersey Boys. Do you think playing in Jersey Boys was a significant game changer? Well, I mean, financially, yes. <laughs> that was that. That was a, a good one. I mean, I don't know. That was that was sort of at a time that and that was one of the most different things i'd done for what kind of ever really like i'd done musical theater before but mm. um that was you know that was a big touring production i mean i don't i don't know if it was the biggest but it was definitely it gave me a good sort of time to think about where i was and what i was doing because i was just doing that show i was at, during that show i wasn't doing other gigs i was just that you know and that right. for for quite a few months um so i mean that yes that that was what 2012 and if i missed um, something like prior to that you're doing session work regular gigs originals covers the whole the whole business was there well a- i mean probably i mean the biggest thing for me would have been you know i i i started playing bass in high school um and had an incredible teacher um alberto santarelli who you know i think any bass player in auckland should either know him or has probably been taught by him. You know, he's, he's amazing. Very, very inspiring. Like that was the first time, you know, I liked the idea of being a musician. I knew that that was what I wanted to do, but he kind of, um, really led me to, he was like, you know, go do it. You can do it, man. Yeah. You, you've, you've got what it takes. So he, he was incredibly inspiring. So, uh, you know, after learning from him for quite a few years, I went to university um, did two years studying towards a jazz degree. And I th- the biggest thing that happened was after my two years at university, I had an offer to join a covers band um, doing like the, the Middle East and Asia covers oh, circuit. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Dubai. You know, yeah. yeah, so I mean, like I was, I think I'd either almost turned or just turned 19 
and and we flew over to Dubai with a band called Ricochet, um, you know, playing six nights a week. Um, and that that particular one was at a Hard Rock Cafe. But you know, we're four hours a night, six nights a week. Um, that that was the first time where I was, it sort of took me a few months of doing that to go. Hang on, I'm I'm actually a musician now. I'm right. doing, you know, <laughs> I'm 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 somewhere else, and I'm playing music, and I'm getting money for it. This is yeah. amazing. Um, so I mean that that was a that was big because also I sort of I did I don't, almost two years I guess of doing that. We were in a lot of different places for sort of three to six months at a time. Mm. Um, but that was really reaffirming because it also, I was like, well, I actually can, I can survive four hours a night, six nights a week. And I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Like right. that, that was a big moment. Um, cause a lot of people, you know, can't cut it or can't hack it, you know, yeah. cause it is, it is a tough lifestyle. So that, that was probably the biggest part. And I think from the time that I got back to New Zealand after doing that is when things really started you know, going well. And did did you ever have the day job? No, the only only non musical job I've ever had in my life was I I in Greenhithe, over on the shore when I was at um, high school. I pumped a bit of gas and worked in the nice. in the shop there. Yep. Um, and that's it. You know, I thought that was when I was probably sixteen or so. I, I was doing a bit of work there. <laughs> so uh, while you're um. Uh, you know, you come back from Dubai and then you're starting to establish yourself here. How are you learning how to actually run your own career? You know, how to run your business, if you like. Well, again, I, even at that point, I don't know that there was a huge conscious sort of thing going on. It was just, I, I guess I was very lucky that the phone was just ringing, like everything was just kind of took care of itself for a long time. You know, I've never... I've never been the best self-promoter or, or that kind of thing, mm. um, which is <laughs> having to learn living over here is that's what they're all about. Is, yeah. Is self-promotion. <laughs> but, there's um, a, but there's an aspect of that business side of it that, you know, actually taking calls, returning calls, um, being available. Um, paperwork. You know, paperwork. But, yeah. but, you know, you're saying you, you, the phone was ringing off the hook um, to, ask, to ask you to play for them. But there are certain people that, probably say, oh, I don't need to work this week, I don't want to, so they don't answer the phone. Oh, and then man. slowly enough, they don't get the phone calls anymore. You know? Yeah, and that that was some of those, the earliest lessons are those things. Just, I mean, just don't say no to a gig. Right. You know, yeah. and if and if you say yes to a gig and another gig comes in, you know, I've, I, I kind of always operated on that. If someone got in first, then I'll honor it, man. Right. Um, and, and, and from that side, people get it too. If they ask you for a gig... And you're busy, you know, that's not like, oh, I won't try again. You know, you're right. It's, you know, it, it all comes down to, yeah, professionalism is, it counts as much or more than your actual kind of musical ability, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's an interesting you know, point. I think that's a really important point. Which, you know, is, is definitely a forgotten point. And I know definitely when I was studying at university and, and looking at music, like, None of that was taught. They'd, they'd tell you how to become a good player and tell you all the history of, of of music and all this sort of stuff. But there's no real, no real education leaning towards. Hey, here's how you actually make this a job, right? You mm-hmm. know, I, I I didn't know what a damn invoice was when I first time I had to send one. I I had no idea how to write one up or right. what to do. You know, <laughs> so it's yeah. I, it, 
And I feel I mean, I, what I feel about you, just to just to throw you a compliment, which I know you love um, oh, thanks, hearing man. compliments. Um, but what I've always thought about you is that in some ways you're a double threat because you 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 could actually probably operate being half the bass player that you are because you're a, a decent person, you treat people well, you, you know what I mean, the stuff that you're talking about. But you're also a good bass player. So it's, it's I mean, you could probably get away with being a bit of a twat as well <laughs> with the level of your ability. But because you've got both those things in the bag, I mean, I think that that says a lot about um, anyone who's really good at what they do. It isn't just their skill, it's actually a number of things and it's the whole package, you know. Yeah, well, no, exactly. You want to you wanna hang around with people that you like, that you have a good time with. Yeah. You don't want, you know... The simplest things like, you know, the good old 10 minutes early is late kind of thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, and that, that... So, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the... Or comment and maybe ask a question. That um, knowing good people, knowing people in the industry, being a good person, being a good musician, does that... Do you find that uh, it's a combination of, you know, talent... Um, personality, but also uh, reliability that gets jobs, gets you the gigs. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and um, also people, I, you know people you know, good luck, a bit of luck, but 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 mainly that being just a good professional kind of you know reliable guy. Yeah, well, I mean that's more than anything else that's going to set you up for the potential of being a working musician. Is like you cover those, you know. The, the musical ability can even come later. Like you, right. you've got to start from the start from the ground up with, like you're saying, the reliability, um, the being on time, the just forthright everything, man. Like, yeah, and I think yeah. musicians often need to think about the perspective of the person who's hiring them to to yeah. give them that perspective. I mean, and that's how I met you because you were referred to me as a bass player that I should bring in for a couple of shows that I was doing, and immediately it was clear like this is a guy that I can just I can just book you in and it's fine i don't have to worry about are you going to show up <laughs> you know yeah are you going to know what you're doing you know and and i think that says a lot mm. let's and you know i speaking personally in my situation is I've, I've always um been like session musician i'm a, I'm a freelancer you know yeah. so i haven't done a lot of the the be in a band long-term kind of thing um so yeah my approach has has always been that like you say like I've, i'll go in um, you know, try to figure out what it is that the job requires or whoever hiring you, what it is that they want. You know, I definitely, if I'm getting hired, I will, I'll do as if I was a, an accountant, you know, what's, what's my role? What am I supposed to do? You know? Right. In terms of the professionalism side of things, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I think the biggest thing. And, and like you saw um, over here, Danny, that people are just, onto it generally a little little flaky with like timings and traffic's bad and there's always excuses people might yeah. run a little late for things occasionally but that's but the thing that i would need to take a while to adjust to i think is the timing uh, thing. you you would struggle here man <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Know, you, you could be on the on the freeway at 4 a.m and there'd be a traffic jam for some reason oh no just... see see i didn't find the traffic to be that bad compared to traffic here i know yeah. neither do i people complain about it a lot more yeah Traffic here is crazy. Like, I mean, you can go, you, you know, just a few blocks away, and it can take you twenty minutes here. <laughs> it's mm. ridiculous. But there, no, I just, just, and remember that I'm, I'm staying with Alex, our good friend Alex, <laughs> who um, people often refer to Alex Time. You know, he's got his own time oh, yeah. zone. Um, so I got the, probably the most extreme experience of LA timing. 
Oh, you but, definitely. <laughs> especially in an industry, I, where, in, a, in a town where time is money, they say. Right. You know, that's probably where the, the saying came from. Yeah, but I don't know if anyone told Alex that saying. Right. No. Yeah. He, he's, he's trying. <laughs> yeah. Alex he's, is an amazing example trying. in a way. I mean, Alex is a guy who's absolutely, you know, such an amazing guy to know. Personally, he's a brilliant person. And he's oh, one yeah. of the most talented musicians I think I've ever met. Like, he's a savant in a way. Uh, maybe uh, maybe not the most disciplined or focused, but just naturally. Not I don't even believe in natural talent, but he kind of proves me wrong in a sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. He's uh, Alex. So Alex Burke is a um, a friend of well, both of ours. Mm. Um, incredible and, and pianist. You know, plays keys, vibes, basically anything and anything he touches. He's one of those guys that just sounds good. You kind of a little frustrating, really, but he's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible. A little unpredictable, but that's yeah. kind of, you know, the, the personality thing relates to the music. So he, he's that guy that um, you, especially in the studio, you want him there because he'll, he'll come up with something that's just a little ridiculous, but it's brilliant. Like no one else would have thought of that. You know, he's, he's, he just puts crazy sparkle on top. It's, um right yeah mm. and um I guess what I was getting at is that you know even though he's on his own time zone and famously turns up late to everything and all of that sort of stuff, everyone still calls him because what he brings is so great oh exactly he's, his personality he's, he's, he's a great guy to be around and he and whether it's live or in the studio, even if he completely surprises you with what he plays it's always something really interesting and and it's, yeah. you know real goosebump kind of player very very and- not clinical. No, and he probably is a little bit of an anomaly to a lot of what we've been talking about. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, exception. But there, but there, there'll always be that exception for someone who's just just kind of brilliant. Is gonna you'll you'll put up with a little bit of niggle and stress here and there, right? In order to have you know something. Not that incredible. we promote this. <laughs> we do not promote this. No. Not- we do not promote. No one should be like Alex. He sounds, Alex. He sounds like he's quite a diverse kind of um, person. He, he plays a lot of instruments and he has a lot of sort of tangential knowledge. Do you think that that um, diversity is a key to being successful or having a career, a successful career in music? And and well, how would you define success as well? I mean, I think first of all, I think I def- Define for me, success is not having another job. If I can just keep being a musician, then yeah. if that pays the bills, then I'm I'm successful. So in my being muso is you know. your day job. Yeah. Um, and then, sorry, what was what was the other part? The um, so how important is it to have sort of um, the diversity? Guess, yeah. More, yeah, diversity and having more tricks in your bag. It's well, it, it obviously depends what it is that you want to do because not everyone wants to be a session musician. Certain people want to just be songwriters and do their own original material. Some people might want to just play guitar and join a band. Um, but regardless, I do think sort of musical diversity is huge. Like if you want to be a great rock player, like you know, it's obviously not going to hurt to know how to play jazz or country or classical. Like it all... It all ties in. And then for me, that was probably that best part of the covers band thing when I was younger in Asia and the Middle East was that we we were playing hip hop and rock and classic rock and pop, just any, anything you can imagine. Top 40, we had a huge, huge repertoire in that band. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I'm trying to think of the way to put it. You know, that's, for me, especially as a session musician, I think you have to be diverse. You have to have mm. a lot of things covered. Because again, it comes down to the not really wanting to say no to any work. If someone calls, you know, even if you bluff a little bit sometimes, if it's not your strongest suit, say they hire you for a type of music you're not used to, mm-hmm. you do it. But you, yeah, you want to be well-versed in as much as possible. How about, and it's like, if I, could, if I can change the question just slightly... Um, if your goal was purely to be a jazz musician, um, so you know all the all the diversity, it seems would not matter. Do you think that you can be the best jazz musician by only ever focusing on learning and playing and listening to jazz, or do you think you become a better jazz musician, just as an example, by learning jazz and focusing on that, but also focusing on other things and playing other things, so you have a, a you know other maturity in your playing that comes into your jazz. Oh, I mean, I definitely, jazz is a good example because jazz musicians can get very focused and generally do on just jazz, Exactly. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with the, the attitude of people that are just so purist that they won't acknowledge other stuff or, um, I mean, I, I, I don't play a lot of jazz anymore. I still enjoy the music, but I mean, I know I'm definitely a better jazz musician because I, you know, became more well-versed in other styles. Um, Because, I mean, more than anything, that's a genre of music where you want to be original and creative and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, I, I, yeah, I I do have a little bit of a problem with the people that get too focused um, on on any one genre Um, because it's just, there's so much out there. I mean, the, the jazz guys were influenced by other stuff, you know. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was no jazz. You know, they had to take bits and pieces from other stuff. It's every, everything feeds into right. everything else. It's rhythm and blues was a combination of jazz and and blues and all kinds of other things going on. So, I just I just think it's if you get too caught up and you're forgetting about other stuff, you're really just limiting your kind of your what you might be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what about other areas in in the music uh, world? So you know, teaching or for those musos say who are listening to this in Auckland or anywhere else around the the world who are starting out, but they you know they might have a, a regular gig here and there, but they might not be playing full time as say someone like yourself. Um, how important is it to be diverse in other areas within your career musically? Well, hugely. I mean, if again, you do, you got to do whatever you need to do to get by. I've, I've done a lot of teaching in the past. Um, it's you know, and and I've always enjoyed teaching. You know, it's there's something about getting back to sort of basics and stuff that actually is really good for your playing personally. Even as a teacher, you're keeping on top of certain stuff. But mm-hmm. no, I mean that's again, if it's if it's in your industry teaching music you're basically still playing music you're getting paid for it and and you're passing on experience and stuff to other people it's one of the most rewarding sort of things you can do in music i I think that anything else is is super important yeah but it's just like the jazz thing i think if you get too just stuck going one direction you just you know Mm -hmm. you, you have such a more narrow path open to you know it's always I don't know. I've I've never sort of looked at any 
potential thing that I could do is there's there's no negative, you know. So you said earlier we'd come back to um, the, one of the personal reasons that Dan moved to LA. Are you happy to talk about that or? Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. So why did you move to LA, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, than, uh, you're always going to move to LA, right? I mean, that was always your plan, yeah? Well, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it was, it became, there was a lot of things happened all of a sudden um, around the end of 2012 um, that, yeah, I was, I was definitely, there was like a, a plan. I was like, Kate, okay, it's time. Um, Jersey Boys had finished, had done that, um, had, a, had a good wee time there. And, well, funnily enough, Danny, yeah. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually you that called me for a gig um with a band from la um magnolia memoir to do armageddon you know the the pop culture whatever you call it expo um and yeah i don't know i I remember at the time you kind of telling me about the gig and might have been the one time that you didn't actually sell the gig to me super well and i I remember thinking (laughs) oh i I don't know about this thing you know (laughs) what did i talk it down or something we didn't talk it down. You said it's great, but like I can't remember exactly what it was. I just I remember us having a discussion about whether whether we'd actually do it. Well, we had done some <laughs> pretty good gigs, and and it, the 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 band was cool, but I knew that the gig would be a bit weird and a bit sketchy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what it was. But anyway, we yeah. end up doing the gig, um, and it was great. Of and, and by the way, the only reason why that happened is because like it, it, it almost could have been that you went on that gig because mm. they had already been to New Zealand once before used that. another bass, I had a player. Different bass yeah. player um and and then i started to hire you more um and you you know and then and so it just kind of turned out that way the, the <laughs> other guy wasn't really pulling his weight on, on some of those gigs and so i brought you in so i mean if that guy had been kicking ass and i would never have called you there'd no, be no point because the other guy Which already, already learned the material was he so he yeah. just wasn't right. answering his phone or he oh just he was just being useless i mean we had played together for years <laughs> and it just hadn't right. really, it just come to its end you know okay yeah so well, that's, no, no, that's and a then obviously point. what out of that the um the singer of that band, um, Mella and I sort of got to know each other quite well, and and <laughs> so began so began a relationship, and um, yeah, that that was another big pushing for pushing force of sort of me actually just going well. It's it's obviously now or never to do this LA thing. So you know? <laughs> Magnolia Memoir are from LA. They are an LA band, right. yeah. Okay. Um, and they have a full band and, here. Yeah, they, they have a band here in LA, but they, yeah. they do this thing where Mel is, um, as well as being the singer of the band, is a voice actress. So she goes around to these conventions around the world as like a, you know, she cartoons and things that she's voiced. She'll go um, as, a, as a guest of the convention to sign autographs and oh. have photos, all those sorts of things. Which right. I didn't so know. They, I had no idea she was famous. Until, yeah, which is the, <laughs> until I saw a line of people going out the door wanting her autograph, and I'm like, "Who are yeah. you?" And she's in so, the, and then yeah. and that's that's where Meller and the band it's really smart is they they use these conventions and things as a, as an opportunity to take the band. So they'll just take two of the band, which is includes Alex, the guy that we were just talking about, mm. um, and then and then they'll pick up a, a rhythm section when they're in town for that sort of stuff. So it's um, a clever model for them. But yeah, they 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 have a band. Here in LA as well, great, great band, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what took you there. But, do you, so do you, you, sorry, don't, you don't work with them over there in in LA? 
I, I time to times I've, I've sat in with them. I've been um, writing some stuff with them recently, though, putting a new project together. So we're yeah, been been writing a bunch of material, um, and and do the, do the odd show with them. Yeah. So and so is writing uh, a, a, something that's new to you in terms of your your career? Because you know you say you're a session muso most of the time, but sitting down mm. and writing original music of your own is that something you've just got into or? Have you been doing it? I mean, I've, I've always written a little bit, but um, it was de- it was definitely an eye opener coming to LA. In that, you know, everyone writes, but there's so much that you can write for here um, right. that that's it's become maybe the the biggest part of the industry for the potential of making money. Is if you can if you can write stuff and get it placed on TV or radio, write for another artist. Yeah something for a commercial whatever it might be that's it's a huge outlet so that was kind of the um, point that was kind of where i was trying to go with the diversity thing other than mm. being um having just that one bow in your uh, what do you call it one arrow in your sling or whatever the hell they call it that <laughs> you've got all of these other potential um, um avenues for earning or making a living yeah. over, over and here. and and that's that's new to me because that that wasn't ever i don't think at any point when i was in new zealand that I thought that that was a possibility that you could just write music that's not specifically for like, hey, I want to release an album or something. Right. You could just write stuff and sell it to other people. You say that, but I remember being at your house once and we were talking about writing and the subject and you opened up a hard drive full of stuff that you... Oh, no. And it made no sense. It was pop songs and jazz songs and rock songs. And I still do that. It was like... No, but I mean... Most people sit at home and and, and, um, procrastinate and play Xbox or do whatever. You seem to go into this room and just create and create and create and create. (laughs) But it's... Yeah, I mean, I've I've always done that. I've always made a lot of music. But even the outlet then in New Zealand when I was doing all that stuff, I mean, the biggest extent... And that's what we talked about was like, well, we can write the stuff and then we can find an artist and then get them into it and then try to, you know, which, which is obviously a a good thing to do anywhere. But no, it it really wasn't until I came here that, you know, it made sense to be working on music just to try and, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff where we now here will write to pitch for commercials or whatever it might be, or they might come to us and go, Hey, we need this thing that sounds kind of like this crossed with this and right um no it's the there when i was there you did a starbucks commercial right was it starbucks yeah no that, that was playing on that one yeah. unfortunately i didn't have any writing credit on right, that okay, one. Right. but um but no that's that's yeah i mean diversity that's huge and like i've done as much of that sort of stuff to be honest um since i've been here as i have actually playing we've 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 done a lot of things that have been you know, for stuff for video games or for for movies, documentaries, all kinds of things. And the good thing about that, which stuff, is nice again, because that's not not something that I was really planning on, yeah, um, or, or thinking I was going to do. But it's it's super rewarding. It's, and it's yeah, well, it's the fun, gift that you know? keeps on giving, isn't it? You know, with the, the passive income from royalty statements. Well, that yeah, especially <laughs> especially over here, if you land something good, the um the checks. They keep coming for a while, and they're, they're, they can be pretty good. <laughs> right. Excellent. <laughs> on, a, on a slightly different note, um, um, if only a few months after we met, um, I think we'd done a few gigs already, um, but we, we were on Waiheke doing a gig, and we were playing in a, in a very temporary lineup um, that 
was sort of thrown together for different reasons. Um, yeah. And after, I mean, I, I think during the night we had been we had been drinking some beer and and doing the usual Prob- thing. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And and I remember we we were staying in a house that had a deck that looked over the bush or something. Um, oh yeah, I remember so, that. So, yeah, so we thought, well, this is going to be great. So um, we, I think both of us picked up a bottle of wine each to have when we got back. Does that remember this? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know bits and pieces yeah 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 uh, th- th- there's a point where I'm bringing this up and um, we we played the gig and had, had a good time and had a few drinks and then we packed down and came back to the house and we sat on the deck and so mm. I didn't know you very well at this point but we ended up sitting up all night finishing our wine um, and that was fine um, the drummer in the band who who you had known for some time and I, and I, and I won't say his name I guess unless you feel like saying his name but um, he is a, a an avid um, and regular prolific pot smoker. Mm-hmm. Now, not that any of us, I don't think, have any particular problem with smoking pot, and I'm sure we all have. Um, but what really amazed me is that you then launched into about an hour and a half of dialogue trying to trying to <laughs> talk him out of regularly smoking pot, not on any mora- uh, moral level or ethical level or anything like that, but just because he wasn't doing himself any favors. And yeah, well, that's that's one of those things. I'm probably not talking him out of doing it full stop. No, that's no, that's what um, I mean. Just every freaking day. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just around the, around the job. I mean, man, there's there's still that's that's the worst is when you turn up to work. It doesn't matter what industry. The, I guess music's maybe just the only one where you don't instantly get fired or in big trouble for right. being high or wasted, whatever it might be. <laughs> but and the reason no, why that, I bring that up is because there's such a stereotype around rock and roll. Um, one of the things that really annoys me is how everyone talks about drugs all the time in regards to Jimi Hendrix. And, in, and as far as I know, in reality, he was a very studious and dedicated um, professional guy who also did drugs. Mm. But his career shouldn't really be defined by the drugs. It should be defined by his dedication to music. Um, Absolutely. And, I, and I, 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 I was really impressed by you that night because it's like, fuck the stereotype. <laughs> you know, what, we're, we're all, we, we've got to work really hard here. And, and why do that, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just... Especially when it's talented people and yeah. you see people just derailing themselves by, by doing that. I mean, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. I don't, you know, it's just, I, I've seen it too much. We've all seen it too much where people have just thrown it all away, you know, whether it's the hard stuff or not. I mean, people smoking weed, you know, some people can handle it fine, you know, by all means go for it. But I mean, if you're turning up to do a show, and especially if it's in a situation like that gig where we've talked about it. it's the contractor thing you're basically you're you're a gun for hire here to do a job you know don't don't turn up and be not at your best because of something as simple as taking a few puffs man like right mm, i don't right. you know there there is there's a time and place i've got no problem if anyone wants to do whatever they want is absolutely fine but no i i take the on the job thing I take that quite seriously, you know, I think, you know, most people do. Um, but yeah, it, it comes down to, again, if no one else is doing that, it kind of negates the whole, hey, we're all here and love working with people. There is no stress and we're all having a good time. Sometimes if it's just one person that's on a different wavelength that can just throw out the dynamic or whatever it might be, it's enough to kind of go, Ugh. you know, and then yeah. you seriously think about, well, do I call this person next time? Mm. Um, I just wanted to t- we we mentioned earlier about the um, tall poppy thing, and I wanted to sort of say ask rather is there 
does that exist in LA or is that a wholly New Zealand phenomenon or is it a myth? Does it exist at all? Oh, it, it, I don't think it exists here. Um, I mean, it'll exist to some extent, but generally is there, it's an incredibly supportive scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that comes because there's the, a lot of work, you know, if someone goes and gets something really good or, you know, people don't feel like, oh, well, that's my opportunity gone. Mm-hmm. Um, really supportive here. I mean, people know about Tall Poppy here, though. They've heard about it. They've talked to Kiwis and Aussies, and and they they know what it is. And, right. man, it's definitely definitely a thing in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think it stems from? In all kinds of aspects. What does it stem from, do you think? I don't know, man. It, it's Well, it doesn't make sense to me. Because yeah. I think just the nature of of what we do um, and choosing to be musicians, like I, we should be super supportive, and you know, because mm-hmm. we we all know how difficult it is. So I don't I don't get why, you know, sometimes we don't all have each other's backs. But mm-hmm. I I don't know with New Zealand where that where that comes from. Whether it's just the the old school farmer rugby mentality is yeah. still lingering or that's just so ingrained, you know, men must be men and, you know, well, do you don't think show it's more, your emotions. Do you think it's more like desperation or insecurity or that sort of thing? Well, I don't know because it, it doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense half of the time. You know, mm. how many people have we seen Kiwis that have gone on and done great things um, that, who were like the darlings of, of the country and as soon as they step out you know I'll look at them too big for their boots now who do they think they are you know? <laughs> I, I have a theory it, I, I think it, it, in a way I mean everyone every human being on this planet has you know hopes and dreams and they want they person that they wanted to be and maybe they just haven't achieved that and when they, when they see other people achieving there's a sort of an envy I guess in a way it's kind of reminding mm. them of what they could have been but never have become themselves in a way well it also probably comes i think their jealousy probably comes because it's something that they'd love to do but haven't actually tried to do or haven't done the necessary you know right yeah it's it, it's like oh you know i could have been an all black it's like yeah but you stopped playing rugby when you were nine <laughs> yeah 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 you know I, what I mean? I remember you talking about when you when you were spending more time in LA. I think it was actually prior to when you officially moved there, but you had encountered some um, attitudes here or heard some people talking about you or whatever that you're pretty upset about or disappointed about. Well, disappointed, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there, there was a, a time where it was probably like when, because there was a group of us from New Zealand who, who went on to this Kataro gig. Um, and, you know, and each of us in the band worked with a, a lot of different people. And I think, you know, it just comes down to that thing where maybe people just thought, oh, well, it should have been me on that gig. Why did you, why is it that guy? Or why is it her or him? Um, you know, we, we, I think all of us encountered some level of that. Right. Where, where it was, you know, f- certain people maybe from a place of jealousy thinking again thinking it should have been their gig or it was i don't know i did just again didn't didn't and doesn't make sense to me that that someone's opinion of of me or anyone else would change just because i went and did some gigs for something you know mm. or, or whatever it might be it's like i think anyone that knows me knows that i'm i'm not the type to get big-headed or 
or stupid about any situation. I still any, any gig I get, I'm damn happy to be there, man. But th- and th- thankful. Should, <laughs> should there not be that space for you to be able to be proud of what you achieved and what you do? Um, why why is it the normal kind of Kiwi thing to go? Oh, you know, just keep your head down a little bit and don't should have you know don't celebrate too much of what about what mm. you've achieved because it might be seen as being a bit of a poser or. Oh, exactly. I mean, we're still. You know, I'm still very selective with things like Facebook or social media. I'm I'm pretty selective about what I'll say that I'm doing or certain situations. Just and yeah, maybe that's part of that tall poppy. The other side, the lingering kiwiness, is like, well, I don't don't feel like I should be rocking the boat, or I don't want to upset anybody, or you know, don't mm-hmm. want to seem like I'm all arrogant, whatever it might be. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it, it it's it's obviously just a part of what kiwi life kind of instills in us it's a, a whole bunch of weird traits you know so are you saying that it, are you saying that it's more uh, just a kiwi cultural thing not necessarily a, a new zealand music culture thing oh it's definitely a cultural thing man mm. um more than just music you, you'll see it in anything especially i mean but it's such a sport dominated country and hey i i love sport as much as the next guy but you know when you put as much merit those statistics of you know domestic abuse and things that go up several hundred percent after mm. the all blacks lose like that yeah. or, or win, or it's, win. A, it's the yeah. same stat whether we win or lose that's the thing i can't the, work out really? either whether they're yeah. celebrating or they're pissed either way punch your wife oh yeah <laughs> that's that's the kiwi way <laughs> that's the kiwi way but yeah i mean and that's that is something that i really respect about and again we all know what americans you know reputation is when they travel that they might be loud they might be this and that i've always just found that they're confident happy people you know whether that's music or otherwise they're kind of they're not ashamed or or shy to celebrate their successes and probably because of that attitude of the people around them are like supportive of that like but the thing that gets the, the thing that gets me is that that attitude doesn't seem to exist within sport you know, when well, someone no, when someone's true. on the way up in the sport community, they seem, as far as I can tell, they seem to have everyone, everyone's support. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you about the um, that perception of Americans. I thought the same thing before I went there. They're arrogant, they're loud, they're then you know fake, pushy, and fake. But yeah. um, having gone over there, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, they're very confident and they are forthright with their opinions. But then they can be the sweetest people on on the planet as well. I. I remember a time where I was, my wife and I were on a bus and we were traveling somewhere and then this argument broke out this woman was arguing with someone and then the next thing was she was offering this other person her seat this elderly person she was just <laughs> the loveliest person but she had the confidence to not take any shit from someone you know yeah yeah um so but it, it's interesting that you say that so that that kind of Paul, um, tall poppy syndrome doesn't exist in LA or at all or any form well I mean it, there must obviously somewhere probably there's there's always going to be an aspect there but i i honestly haven't really seen it Mm. um at all no i mean it's the the, like i said the the especially the music community here is is really really supportive like anyone's down to to jam to check out a show to you know no one's kind of unreachable here either there's a lot of people have this perception that you know take a, a drummer say that you idolize that you'd be like or oh, you know imagine if one day you could it's like, just call them if you've got a way to get in contact with someone in this town you know they'll 
they'll be down for they'll give you a lesson that half of the time they'll meet you somewhere they'll do something like no one's no one's out of reach there's not like that attitude thing of oh i'm so special you know. so cool yeah, yeah. And, well you just play with kenny aronoff so there you go yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> far out. um so can i ask a, a different question um if if you think back to when you were at uni um what do you think uh what, what what's the difference between what you thought back then about what your career might be like versus what it is now what, what i'm getting at is what ideas or ideals um did you have that are or are not now true in your career well i'm i'm not playing for the letterman house band so that's disappointing <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know it's well, there I mean, is no Letterman House band. I, I right. think that, <laughs> I think that, I'm kind of I'm right now. What I'm doing is is what I always wanted to be doing. Um, Do you and, think and you probably, had a a, re, a a grounded view from the start? I think I've always been quite realistic. Yep. Right. Um, I've you know I, I definitely wasn't even when I was a kid or in, in high school. You know, I wasn't like, hey, man, we're going to be a famous band and tour the world and make millions and be rock stars and all that sort of stuff. I, I always wanted to go down that kind of session road of just, you know, playing with different people, doing a bunch of different styles of music, doing all this kind of stuff. So I think, I mean, even by the time I was at uni, I'd kind of, I'd figured out that that's, I wanted, I liked the guys that were behind the scenes, um, you know, that that you'd have to read deep into liner notes on an album to find out who actually played on that track yeah. for this mm. singer or that band or whatever, you know, cause I've always been a fan of, of those sort of artists, like, like Steely Dan and things that will have, you know, basically a different band, almost every album. Like that's intriguing to me. Um, so I think that now, you know, the, the realism side of things, it gets much more real every year that goes by um, because we're not getting any younger. And I guess the, you know, even though I've never strived for that huge, huge success, I'm like, man, I still, you know, is it going to be this year where I get to do something super unbelievably amazing? But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know that it's my whole approach has probably hasn't really changed all that much since uni. I'm just actually doing a lot more of it now, like what I wanted to do, you know? And maybe that big break doesn't exist. You know, maybe really, and maybe, maybe it's like fishing where you, you actually enjoy the, the, um, the process the as much as, yeah, as much as catching the fish, because really then, you have done amazing things already. So by some people's logic, you should be able to just rest on your laurels. Well, I mean, and probably even, yeah, even 16 year old me would, wouldn't believe some of the stuff, but I guess yeah. probably because the goalposts keep shifting, you that's know, what I mean. and that's, that's a healthy, you know, I've, I've definitely reached a lot of goals that I thought would be, you know, imagine if I ever got to do that. Wow. You know, yeah. imagine if I ever got to play on a TV show. Imagine if I ever get to go overseas and play music. Imagine but if I, I get to tour on like a big tour or have a, you know, a Grammy nominated album, you know, all that stuff is, um, no, I'm very, I'm very lucky, very thankful, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't look back too much on that stuff. It's just, I'll always just shift the next goal a little higher and right. think it's not, you know, think it's going to be impossible. And then, Hey, maybe in a year's time, I'll be laughing about it thinking, Oh, how silly, but no, it's, I definitely very, very thankful because you're right. If I, if I go back to younger me, 
I've done I've I've done a lot more than I realistically thought I'd ever be able to do. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy really mm. with with all of that. Do you still um put time into personal rehearsal, personal practice every week, every day? Mm, not as much as I should. <laughs> right. I mean, there's I think for me, the the biggest learning that happens for me is probably in actually learning songs. If I've got a gig or a session or something and they want me to learn stuff, that's mm-hmm. that's the main playing that I do at home. But I, I'm also playing so much yeah. um, in the studio and everywhere else that, you know, there's no, I, I you know, there's, there's no training like on the job training, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, I've, so you're I've not done losing, a lot of practice you're not and losing years him. gone by. Yeah, you're not losing um, muscle memory by playing all those gigs. You're keeping your, your dexterity. You're keeping your uh, mind active. and Exactly. And I think there's a point where, where the actual mechanics of playing, as long as when you start out, you kind of learn at least some kind of decent technique and stuff. Most of, most of the learning that happens later is, is just kind of ideas and more creative things rather than you know needing to make sure your fingers still move properly and all that sort of stuff. Do you put any? Um, what sort of importance do you put into theory? You know, knowing music theory, or or even knowing another instrument. Do you play any other instruments? Or yeah, I, I you know try. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do a lot, a lot of the writing and stuff. I play a lot of keys. Right. Um, you know, I play play guitar a bit as well, and it, it most of the stuff that I do is for recording purposes. So right. Um, yeah, other instruments. I've never like gigged on another instrument, but but in the studio, I end up playing a lot of stuff. Or if it's just me putting something together, I think it's incredibly important to. And I'll get to the theory thing because I do have a, a good opinion on that. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think knowledge of other instruments is is the most important thing. Like I listen to and spend more time kind of studying drummers and watching drummers and listening to drummers, and I've been to dozens of drum clinics because essentially my job is more than being a decent bass player is locking in with the Lock drummer because that's the, drummer, yeah. that's the job you know yeah is it, is it a jazz school thing because that's sort of that's what i got from jazz school is learning how to listen to other musicians yeah i think it doesn't matter what instrument what style of music listening that's the biggest key important yeah. you know that's the everything comes from from being a good listener and, and adapting it could just there's a thousand situations it doesn't matter if you can listen you're gonna you're gonna be all right you know mm. um but then theory i kind of go back and forth because i'm i'm 100 percent. i think people should know music theory um again this is speaking from my perspective as as like the session musician rather than you know, as songwriter for personal things or for whatever else. But, you know, I'd, if you, I'd, again, in my situation, I wouldn't be doing anything that I was doing if I couldn't read music. Right. Just none of it would happen. You know, there's TV show gigs where you turn up and they'll throw 40 songs at you and you're filming in like five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you, there, there's no way to study and learn all that stuff. Um, but also, it, you know, a, a big part of, of what we do in the session thing is where we're improvisers, really. Mm. Um, especially for the studio. We get hired, and then if we're lucky, there's some kind of sketch of a song already. Like, there's there's not usually things organized or written out for us as session musicians. It's, it's up to us. So I think having a good working knowledge of what you can do, what's possible, and what's going to work, and 
all those kinds of things. It's just it helps you as a player, you know, but, but no, but especially the reading thing is, and, and this town is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that session work, if you don't read, they're not going to call you. They're gonna hire and that else. might not yeah. mean that the session necessarily even has charts. It's just, just in case there are charts, you're not going to be hiring someone who can't read. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then by the same token, I find that a much higher percentage of people over here do actually read, have studied, you know, the, the, the kind of college system and everything for music here is, is huge. The tens of thousands of students going through, like just in a certain city or state studying music. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, yeah, you over here, if you don't read and you want to be in that side of music, you'd, you'd be in trouble if you, if you didn't have a good work in theory knowledge. What's the view over there of people um, who ta- who take part in those, you know, the X factors in the voice type programs? <laughs> well, I think the same as everywhere. It's a, it's not necessarily the best thing for the industry to to lead people to believe that it's just purely that much luck, or it's, you know, you enter a lottery and hey, million dollars in record contract. Mm. You know, I mean. I've still I've still got the two sides of it because as a musician I I love playing on shows like that mm. because it's a great job. I mean, you know, you get to play with great bands, good exposure, good money, all those sorts of things, but as an artist I just I couldn't imagine entering one of those things. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, other than maybe a small handful of people from all of those shows everywhere in the world like I could maybe name three or four that you actually know the names of that have done something with the career. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on that side. I'm not a huge fan, but man, if they offered me a gig in the band, I'd be there tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So back on the playing thing, um, how often do you feel like you are really, um, asked to use a high percentage of your ability on a gig? Um, I remember recently we both attended the music expo NAM and we were walking around laughing at all the, people sitting down playing crazy, like all the bass players playing crazy slap, you like scales, modi, yeah. fast, you know, and it's, and we both know that when we get hired, we play usually simple. It's more about, oh, yeah, more no, about groove, you know, there's, and luckily that session that I did at sunset sound with Kenny and all those guys was maybe the only time in my career where they've asked me to play more. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Normally in the studio, it's like, no, nah, just, simpler simpler yeah especially as a bass player um i mean that stuff is it's good to know that because i mean the better that you get on your instrument the more that you know is going to make when you play simpler it's going to sound like you're more in control you know more of what you're doing um you know I, i always my favorite kind of example of that is is J.R. Robinson the the great drummer played on all Michael Jackson all that stuff as you listen to Billy Jean that's assuming I think J.R. played on that I might be wrong someone can correct me yeah, I, thought like, was, I thought it was Picaro oh you're talking maybe, about bass player no I'm talking about drums drums oh, I thought yeah. it was Dave Wickle but, but you know what I mean when you <laughs> when, when you're listening when you're listening to Billy Jean's a great example it's the first drum beat that anyone learns yeah you know but you listen to that and you go, oh man, this guy is amazing. Listen to how good that sounds. Right. You know, and like that, that comes from the experience of, of the more you know, the more in control you're going to be, especially on the simpler stuff. So, I mean, in terms of, no, I guess most of us will never really, in a gigging or recording situation, 
stretch out to the end of our abilities um, because nothing really calls for that, you know, unless unless I'm lucky enough to be doing something where someone actually wants a bass solo. Yeah. Like yourself, Danny. Thank you for <laughs> allowing me to do that on one of your songs on, on an album. Yeah, it just doesn't. You, you were. I'm not completely sure if I, if I was asking for what I was asking for. Were you? I thought you were joking. You're, you're no, like, one, really? no one wants a bass solo. <laughs> you're like, re- do you really want me? <laughs> That's on YouTube, yeah. folks. By the way, you can look that up. Oh, dude. What, what's but, it called? Um, what is it called? It might be on YouTube under Dan and Tanovich bass solo. Um, but what song was Danny it? Danny McCrum. I'm not sure. I can't remember the the name of that. <laughs> you should know. It's your song. <laughs> it might have been on. Was it on Roll with the Punches? It might have been on that song. I don't know. Yeah, music. I record right. it and never listen to it again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've got no problem. Like you said, Nam is kind of the best and the worst place in the world all at the same time because there's all this incredible stuff and incredible musicians. But yeah, you're just hearing noodling like you've never heard noodling before. Yeah, and it all just seems a little. When you when you stumble across someone who's actually just doing something simple and groovy, you're like. You are the best musician in the world, right? Yeah, now. yeah. It's yeah. so refreshing, but it's exhausting on the ears, isn't it? Every time I oh. went outside, it was like, oh, thank God, <laughs> silence. But it, but again, I mean, that's also in the modern kind of industry where it's, over here it's all about what endorsements do you have, all of this sort of stuff. How many YouTube views have you got? You know, there's there's also that side of the more impressive the stuff that you can play, kind of the more notoriety yeah. you might have. Even though when you get hired to work for someone else, you don't do that stuff. It, that it's kind of irrelevant. You know? But I think so, it's a, it's an interesting debate that seems to carry on, especially amongst um, younger students, about whether they should focus on, um, you know, playing a lot of technical stuff or or whether it's about other things. And it, I, I I mean I personally think that you should you should always further your craft, you know, and and learn as much as you can and and get as good as you can. But also, exactly. but also be really happy with simple, you know, because exactly. they serve each other. Mm. Well, I mean, it's like someone, you know, who decides that they're just a rhythm guitarist. Right. I, I've never, I've never understood that thing where like, I don't know, I'm a lead guitarist. Yeah. What do you play? Oh, I play rhythm guitar. No, no, you play guitar. Yeah. What a strange the thing situ- to limit your goals. Yeah. The situation might mean that you're playing some rhythm stuff, but as, as an actual musician, that seems like a weird thing to do, but yeah, I mean, it, it's all, it all comes again. This, there's so many outlets, but it depends what you want to do. But I mean, just as a general sort of musician thing, yeah, I get, get as good as you can get or as good as you want to get and whatever your limit might be for that. It doesn't matter, but I don't think, don't think you should ever stop trying to get better or more amazing or whatever it is that you want to do because it's, it's, Again, it all comes back to that, that, you know, ground level stuff is going to improve whatever, whatever else yeah. you do. And like you say, it does come down to your personal goals. And I, I, I guess um, the, the subject of wanting a career and a regular income and wanting it to be your full-time thing, like what you were saying about yourself before, I think that's a, a very defining um, characteristic of your ambition. You know, if someone um just wants to strum a few chords and sing a few songs at the end of the day over with a glass of wine and if that's the end of their ambition there's nothing wrong with that it's completely no, exactly it's it's, one of the great things about music is that you can personalize it you know and if, exactly if someone, if someone wants to just bury themselves in jazz or metal or whatever area they want to go in then that's great um but at the same time if you want to actually make a living out of it i think that's a game changer yeah absolutely mm. 
What artist um, would you want to work with if you could? What's a dream sort of job for you? Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and that's not, I think, that's not beyond the realms of possibility for you because don't you mix with some of those guys? He waved at me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked with um, several musicians since I've been here that, that are in Stevie's band. Um, no, it's not. I mean, I'm still hoping, waiting to hear that session that I did, Sunset Sound. They were hoping to have Stevie play some harmonica on it. So oh, that would, no shit. That would be pretty nice to be on a track with, even though I didn't get to meet him or anything in, in, in the flesh. Yeah. That, that would be pretty nice. But no, it's not out of the realms of possibility, I suppose. But that's, I mean, that's kind of my, that's always been my dream. That's wow. the first lyrics that I had memorized as a kid were for Stevie Wonder yeah. songs. You know, that's. That's kind of my, my all-time dream gig. And where is that song likely to be heard? I've, at this stage, I don't even know, man. I think they've, right. they've finished mixing, get it mastered, and, and, and see what it is that they're going to do with it. Right. Um, but but I, I don't know. Outside of that, there are, there are tons of people that I'd love to work with. But, I mean, I've got, I've got more and more... I guess is the, the business mind has kicked in over the years. I just, whether it's like an artist from years gone by, a big pop star, I don't really care, man. If I'm, if I'm either in the studio or I'm on the road on a good tour, like it's always fun. doesn't really matter. You, you learn to enjoy the music, even if you don't at first, you, there's, there's always been this thing where stuff that, yeah, maybe wasn't my favorite. I get hired for a gig. And then once you learn it, you get the ins and outs. You always find a bunch of stuff that, that really you can appreciate and get into a lot more. So I don't know, man. I'm, yeah, something that pays good and <laughs> that would be good for me, man. That's who I want to work with. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up, yeah. I reckon. Hey, look, Dan, thanks so much for doing this, man. We really do appreciate it. Um, Thank you, guys. Yeah, and we'll likely do more of these things. Is there anything, any sort of parting thoughts, comments, questions... Or is there somewhere in the sort of Twitterverse or Facebook that people can follow your career on? Or do you want people following you on the, in those? <laughs> uh, depends. No, just, I mean, anything, you know, if, if you just look for my name, Dan Antonovich, there's not many with that name around. So yeah, <laughs> like, you, you, any, like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all that stuff is just going to be my name. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been good talking to you guys and, and good luck with the podcast. I'm Thank stoked you. that you Thank guys you. are doing this. It's it's about time that New Zealand gets something like this. So, yeah, yeah good cheers. on you guys. Thank cool, you. And all man. the best um, with your career in LA. Thank you, guys. I'll see you over there soon. Good stuff, I man. hope so, man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cheers. So that was our conversation with Dan Antanovich. Yeah, wow, what a legend. Um, and so generous with his time and, and experience and knowledge. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's, he's a big personality. He knows a lot of stuff. He's, he's um, you know, it doesn't take much to pry stuff out of him, which I really enjoy, you know. Yeah, so he's very open with, um, yeah, and very giving. So that yeah, was cool. exactly. And we did that via Skype, so let's hope there aren't any sort of, there weren't any technical um, glitches. And if there were, I'm sure we'll figure them out. Yeah, we'll auto tune. <laughs> auto tune <laughs> and quantize. You know? So we've got. Um, we're hoping to do these obviously more, more regularly and keep um, keep the momentum up. So we'll probably do um, record another one very shortly. Yep. And um, 
but they'll sort of be up every how do you, how, how often do you reckon oh i don't know i mean i'd i'd be quite keen on doing them quite regularly i think we're probably going to get to about fortnightly okay something like that but we'll yep. see how it goes very good yeah and uh if anyone would like to um send us any feedback comment on the facebook um page or email us um please feel free to do so we love feedback and uh the website is don't give up your day job.co.nz and the facebook is um what is facebook. it facebook.com backslash don't give up your day job right there you go i hope <laughs> see you next time cheers